Welcome to the Bible in the News. We have often spoken of the Latter-day Tarshish on the Bible in the News program, discussing the relationship between Britain, America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and, of course, Israel. The cause of our attention comes from passages such as Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 13, where there is a notable presence of the Tarshish powers friendly to Israel in the time of the end. We read, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods and a great spoil? Well, it's another subject, but Tarshish is identified with the ancient trade in tin and lead identified by Ezekiel in chapter 37 and verse 12, where we read, Tarshish was thy merchant by reason of the multitude of all kinds of riches with silver, iron, tin, and lead they traded in thy fairs. Tarshish is identified as a western lying nation because Tarshish is identified with the nation of Tyre on the coast of Lebanon, and Jonah left from Joppa to take a ship to Tarshish heading west. Ancient authorities such as Herodotus and Julius Caesar identify an island beyond the Straits of Gibraltar and off the coast of Europe as being the source of tin. More current authorities such as Encyclopedia Britannica and Barbara Tushman's book The Bible and Sword identify Britain as this ancient source. For more information, see the Bible magazine, volume 26, number 4, entitled Bronze Age Sea Traders, and volume 20, number 2, entitled The Merchants of Tarshish. Well, the people of Tarshish have roots that go way back in history. It is interesting that Herodotus, writing about a hundred years after Ezekiel, identified the Phoenicians, who are associated in the Bible with Tarshish, as originating from the eastern direction and migrating into the west via their naval prowess. Herodotus tells us these people originally came from the coast of the Indian Ocean, and as soon as they penetrated into the Mediterranean and settled in that part of the country where they are today, they took to making long trading voyages. Herodotus Histories, Book 1, Page 1. Well, Solomon entered into a joint project with Hiram, king of Tyre, a Phoenician, to build ships to go to Tarshish. We read in 1 Kings 9, verses 26 to 28, And King Solomon made a navy of ships in Ezion-Geber, which is beside Elat, on the shores of the Red Sea, in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent in the navy his servants, shipmen that had knowledge of the sea, with the servants of Solomon, and they came to Ophir and fetched from thence gold, 420 talents, and brought it to King Solomon. Well, years later, Jehoshaphat decided to follow Solomon's example. However, he made an alliance with Ahaziah of Israel and failed in his exploits because of it. And after this, we read in 2 Chronicles 20, verses 35 to 37, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, joined himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who did very wickedly. And he joined himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish. And they made ships in Ezion-Geber. Then Eleazar, the son of Dediva of Marashah, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, 
because thou hast joined thyself with Ahaziah, Yahweh hath broken thy works, and the ships were broken, that they were not able to go to Tarshish. Well, note where Jehoshaphat's ships were destroyed, Ezion Geber. We are told this in the king's record too. Jehoshaphat made ships of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they, were, they went not, for the ships were broken at Ezion Geber. 1 Kings 22, verse 48. So both Solomon and Jehoshaphat's navies were built in Alat, in the northern tip of the Red Sea, and were destined for an eastern Tarshish. Well, Eusebius, who wrote an onomasticon, or a directory of place names, where he identifies place called Elam, also known as Elat, during the Roman times, and says it is the extremity of Palestine between the southern desert and the Red Sea, where cargo was transported by ship from both Egypt and India. Well, John Thomas, reflecting on these Bible passages and writing in Elpis, Israel in 1848, had the following to say. As to Tarshish, there were two countries of that name in the, in the geography of the ancients. Jehoshaphat built ships at Ezion Geber, a port of the Red Sea, that they might sail thence to Tarshish. Now it will be seen by the map that they could only sail, sail southwestward towards the Straits of Babel Mandib, from which they might then steer east or north for India. As they did not sail by compass in those days, but coastwise, they would creep round the coast of Arabia and make for Hindustan. They might have sailed southward again along the coast of Africa instead of, in, instead of to India, but it is unlikely they did as the commerce of the time was with the civilized world and not the savage. The voyage occupied them three years. In the days of Solomon, the trade was shared between Israel and the Tyrians, for he had at sea a navy of Tarshish with the navy of Hiram. Once in three years came the navy of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. These products point to India as the eastern Tarshish, a country which has always conferred maritime ascendancy on the power which has possessed its trade and been its carrier to the nations. The merchants of the northern Tarshish and of the eastern identifies Britain and India with the two countries of that name, and Sheba and Tarshish in the prophecy of Gog are manifestly indicative of the lion power of the Anglo-Indian Empire." End quote. Well, now, since the days of John Thomas, the British East India Company has long since dissolved, with India having gained its independence in 1947, shortly before the State of Israel was established. Both nations threw off the yoke of British colonialism about the same time. However, the scriptures indicate that the powers associated with Tarshish and her young lions would remain friendly to the newly born State of Israel at the time of the end. So we can look for events that will see friendly relations between India, who answers to one of the ancient names of Tarshish, and Israel in the time of the end, as well as with Britain. Well, these prophecies were brought to the front this week when relations between India and Israel were highlighted in the news. The Times of Israel, in an article entitled Defense Minister to Pay First State Visit to India, stated, 
Defense Minister Marshi Yalon is reportedly slated to visit India on February 17th in the first state visit by an Israeli defense minister as the country seek to foster deeper security ties. Yalon is expected to host a number of high-level meetings with Indian officials and visit a large arms factory in the southern city of Indian city of Bangalore. Well, when Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu met Indian Home Minister Rajnath Singh on November 6th in Israel, he stated, Israel and India are on the cusp of a new era of increased cooperation in a wide variety of fields. This includes both economic and military cooperation. The same Times of Israel article also reported, in October, India reportedly agreed to a $525 million deal to buy Israel's guided spike missiles, which were widely used during last summer's Operation Protective Edge. End quote. Well, the Times of India carried an article February 1, 2015, under the headline, India and Israel to restart free trade agreement talks, which stated... India and Israel will resume negotiations for a free trade agreement, an FDA, next week. Government sources confirmed in another indication of deepening ties between the two countries since the Narendra Modi-led NDA government came to power. It went on to state annual trade with Israel peaked at $5.1 billion in 2011. It tapered off to $4.39 billion two years later because of the global recession. India and Israel are both confident, though, that their annual trade volume will double once the FDA is signed. With Modi coming to power, both countries seem more open to engaging publicly, including in defense and security cooperation, a clear departure from the, fast, from the past. End quote. Well, David Cohen, the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Interior under the government of President George W. Bush, posted an article uh, on the new caller carrying the headline, No Country Has More Friends of Israel Than India. In his opinion piece, he stated, India, the country with the second largest Muslim population in the world, a country with more Muslims than Egypt and Iran combined, a country whose government has consistently sided against Israel over the past six and a half decade, decades, has more supporters of Israel than any other country in the world, more than the United States, more than Israel. Affinity for Israel is strongest among core supporters of the new Prime Minister Modi, whose, party, whose BJP party won over 171 million votes in this year's election. Many Indians admire the cultural self-assurance of Israeli Jews and their willingness to fight to defend Israel and Judaism. Many Modi supporters see in India as a necessary refuge for Hinduism and empathize with the Jews' need to defend in Israel the world's refuge for Judaism. End quote. Well, a Wall Street Journal article by Sadanand Dume a Indian writer and journalist based in Washington, under the title Revealed, the India-Israel Axis, stated, Even as pro-Palestinian protesters take to the streets of London and Paris 
Israel's ties with the world's largest democracy are on the upswing. For the first time in a decade, New Delhi appears ready to suggest publicly what many officials already acknowledge privately. A burgeoning strategic partnership with Israel matters more to India than reflexive solidarity with the Palestinian cause. End quote. In the news today, we see the clear support of Israel by India and an affinity between the two countries that is growing stronger all the time, both militarily and economically. We can expect this to continue right up to the time of the end and past the Gogian invasion into the Kingdom Age. For we read in Psalm 72 of millennial relationships between the Tarshish nations and Israel after Israel's Messiah has come and is established on his throne in Jerusalem. Psalm 72 verses 10 to 11. The kings of Tarshish and of the Isles shall present presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him, and all nations shall serve him. So Bible prophecy has written a script of world history well in advance, and the actors on the world stage are taking their positions for the last act in the great day of God Almighty, the Battle of Armageddon. So while the world prepares, so should we. For we read in Romans 13, verses 11 to 12, Knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. This has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.